Hello, welcome. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Dream to Destination podcast. I'm so excited to be talking to you about honestly one of the coolest times to be in Mexico, and it is Dia de Muertos or Day of the Dead. Now, I first recorded this episode about two weeks ago, uh, maybe three, and uh, no one was really sure if the country was canceling, you know, the holiday festivities and public celebrations or not. And uh, just maybe one week ago or so, they officially said they were canceling um, pretty much everything. I mean, I think even, you know, different reports say different things, but I've seen from other, you know, travel bloggers online and other people I know who are in Oaxaca at the moment that they're not even opening the cemeteries to the, to the families, you know, to go in and, and do the normal celebrations, even with, you know, social distancing uh, in place and everything. They're not even just allowing pretty much anything to go to go down, which is it's kind of heartbreaking. I mean, like it's been a minute <laughs> living in COVID times. But I don't know, this like really, really hurt <laughs> in, a, in a way. Like this made it feel super real because Dia de Muertos is the just the absolute best time to be in Mexico. And of all the places in Mexico that, you know, celebrate and do it up pretty big, I mean, Oaxaca is definitely the place you'd want to go to celebrate this holiday and sadly it's not going to be happening this year but um and this is probably going to sound crazy and I know it but I'm going to say it because it's true if day of the dead in Oaxaca Mexico is something that's on your travel bucket list honestly it is not too early to start thinking about planning for 2021. Yes, I told you it was going to sound crazy, but I said it anyway because I know it's true. Because when I went in 2018, I actually was booked about six months out, maybe five months out. But honestly, I was having a little bit of trouble finding an Airbnb. And... You know, stick around for the whole podcast because I'm going to really get into exactly why starting to think about 2021. If you definitely want to go to Oaxaca City for Dia de Muertos, uh, why that's a good idea. And we're actually going to be covering pretty much everything in this podcast about attending Day of the Dead in Oaxaca. Um, and what you can expect from the celebrations, even down to, you know, the symbolism. So, you know, understanding what the ofrendas are, the altars, the beautiful altars that you see with the marigold, the simpasuchil flowers on them, and everything. This podcast is all about Day of the Dead in Oaxaca, Mexico, and why it would be in your best interest to at least start putting together, you know, some ideas if you really want to lock in attending in 2021. And like um, like most of my podcasts, this one uh, has a corresponding blog, which is going to be linked in the show notes. So if you want to head to the blog, um, you know, you get a lot more visuals on what I'm talking about. I actually link up 
some of Oaxaca City's best Airbnbs, some really great tours uh, that you can take um, once you once you get there. And um, yeah, so this is all about Day of the Dead in Oaxaca City. All right, let's dive in. This podcast episode is based off of a blog that I have that I did on uh, Day of the Dead in Oaxaca. And so if you want to uh, check out all the photos that I have from the celebration that I attended in 2018, you know, you're going to see visual representations, obviously, of the symbols that we're talking about. But um, if not, I'm going to do my best to explain. And you're also going to be familiar with a lot of them because Day of the Dead in the U.S. started becoming really, really popular. Uh, I guess it was after the movie Coco that Disney Pixar movie Coco, which was from 2017. So a couple years back now. And just more and more, you know, obviously the holiday takes place around U.S. Halloween celebrations and there's costuming and face painting and the whole thing. But the number one thing I think that it's important to clarify at the start is that Day of the Dead is not Mexican Halloween. It is a a different kind of celebration entirely. And we're going to we're going to talk about it. So. The symbols of Day of the Dead, um, like I just mentioned, the really, really big one, the central figure of Day of the Dead is named La Catrina, and she is the skeletal woman with the painted face um, of Day of the Dead. Um, She is often seen um, with a big feathered hat, a flowered feather hat, um, you know, kind of the brim of the hat covering sort of one eye. Uh, she's very like regal looking. She has a very, very fancy dress on. She actually, uh, if you've seen her, the whole body image of her, she, she looks European, actually. She looks very sort of French in style, like a, a French aristoc- aristocrat woman. And that is actually what she's based on. So the first time she was ever drawn was by a Mexican printmaker and illustrator named Jose Guadalupe Posada. And he is actually considered the father of Mexican printmaking. Uh, He's very well known um, within the Mexican art world. I guess printmaking back in his day was really just like old school photojournalism. So he would draw the illustrations for, for publications. And that's where his drawing of what was not yet called La Catrina, but he called it La Calavera Garbancera. And it means the elegant skull. And it was just her head and her skeletal head with the hat on, with the fancy hat, with the flower brim. And For him, she was actually a social commentary of Mexican society of the day. So after the the conquest of Mexico by Spain, um, obviously there became a lot of insertion of European culture 
which the Spanish brought with them. And of course, one of the things they brought was their clothing and the way that they looked and how different it looked from, you know, the indigenous peoples of Mexico. So this illustrator, uh, Jose Posada, started noticing a lot of Mexicans were changing their appearance, changing their style of dress to look more European. So when he drew La Calavera Garbancera, the, the elegant skull, he, he was essentially saying that even under all of our fancy clothes, even under the identities and the personas we put on every day, you know, we're all going to die underneath. We're all, this, we're all the skeleton underneath. So he was sort of, you know, critiquing the nouveau Mexican way of, of looking and presenting yourself to be more, quote unquote, fancy, more European, more, more stylish, more, you know, erudite. Um, I could go on and on with my words, but, you know, like the elevated perception and, you know, for what? Because we're, we're all the same underneath. We're all skin and bones. And, you know, we're all going to die, that we have the same fate coming to all of us, whether or not we put on our fancy floral hats or not. So she became sort of, you know, a talked about figure, um, a pop culture icon a little bit in Mexico. And so she was still just an illustration of the head. So the next step in her evolution came with Mexican painter, um, the, one of the most famous muralists of, of Mexico. His name is Diego Rivera, and he was actually Frida Kahlo's husband. He uh, painted a 50-foot-long mural, which you can actually see to this day in Mexico City. It's in a small museum that's pretty much just this painting, and um, it's actually really cool to see up close and, and in person. It has Oh man, it must have a hundred or so people, figures of Mexican history um, in it. And in the very center of the painting, he painted for the first time La Catrina. And he gave this skeletal woman a full body. So he took her from just the head with like the fancy floral feathered hat and gave her a body. And now she is La Catrina. She's the the skeletal woman, full-bodied woman that you see, you know, in like sugar sugar skull type designs, um, in art. Um, you know, now she has, besides her fancy hat, now she has the big fancy dress and she actually has like a feathered boa in the painting. And um, and from there, she that's when she actually became named La Catrina in the painting. And from there, she just became associated as the central figure of Day of the Dead. So that's a little bit of the history of her and uh, where she came from. But, you know, she, she just tells us that we're, we're all the same. We're all the same underneath of our fancy clothes. So she's a very fancy skeleton in a dress. Much, which is who we all are, essentially, if you really strip away all the layers. So what else, um, what else is associated with Day of the Dead? Well, like I just mentioned, the sugar skulls. They're the candy, sugared, candied skulls. So ironically, 
these, uh, which are so very associated with this holiday, are not actually Mexican per se. Um, they're not even like pre-Hispanic Mexican. They actually come from Europe. So the Italian Catholic uh, missionaries brought sugar art to Mexico in the 1600s. And Mexico, being a country very abundant in sugar and sugar cane, um, these became a an easy place to reproduce these en masse. So in Europe, sugar was not so prevalent as it is in the continent of North America. So it was like a wealthy art, a wealthy art form or a fancier art form, um, you know, reserved for very grand celebrations. And in Mexico, you know, since sugar so abundant, it could be used for anything. So sugar skulls sort of became um, another thing associated with Day of the Dead because they could be re uh, reproduced very inexpensively. So there's a couple kinds, like you can find the, the, the smaller ones are for eating. Um, there's usually what you'll see in the celebrations in Mexico are larger ones with a person's name written on their head, on the head of the skull. And those are usually more decorative. Um, they'll be placed on altars, the ofrendas, which we're going to talk about, or at the cemeteries, the very beautifully decorated cemeteries that you'll see associated with Day of the Dead. And those are usually not going to be eaten. But the littler ones, um, they're more commonly, you know, now you can eat them. So what's up with these ofrendas or altars? So this holiday, Day of the Dead, which we're going to talk about a lot more, the, the history in a minute. But the ofrenda is, it, the word means altar. And now what... Um, the belief is around Day of the Dead is that the veil to the spirit world is thinned or lifted for a few days and our departed loved ones return Earthside to, to party with us, essentially, just to celebrate with us for a few days. So the ofrenda is an offering to them. And you, on it, you'll see commonly these bright yellow, orange, gold flowers called marigolds. Uh, incense, uh, which is typically uh, called copal. It's the one most associated with this holiday. You're going to find candles, pictures of your departed loved ones, um, food and drink, whatever they would want to consume when they arrive to Earth. So the altar is what sort of lures them to their place. So, you know, we have all these spirits crossing over and they need to know where to go. So their altar is what's going to call them. Uh, so what else, what else can we expect in Day of the Dead? So I mentioned the marigold flowers. Um, they have been associated with this holiday since its pre-Hispanic Aztec origins. And we're going to get to those origins in the next uh, section of the podcast. But the, these flowers have a very strong and distinct smell. So the Aztecs always thought that because of the, the bright color, the strong scent, you know, it would easily draw the spirits to where they should return when they came back earthside. And actually, um, in Mexico, you, you'll commonly hear marigold flowers called flor de la muerto, flower of the dead. So they're, they're just super tied in with this holiday. So also you're going to see in Day of the Dead, the very beautifully decorated cemeteries. 
And the day actually before the Day of the Dead holiday, the families will go to the cemeteries, decorate the gravestones of their of their loved ones. They kind of gather there. They sort of remember their their departed family member. Um, it's a it's actually like a really festive time. It's a little bit of a family reunion slash cemetery decorating party. Uh, so that's, so they say that the spirits return at midnight. So the day before day of the dead is when they decorate. And then the spirits will come at at midnight, which is technically the next day. And something else you're going to see is a comparsa, which is a parade. Um, and in Oaxaca city where I attended day of the dead, you know, you'll, you'll hear them coming before you see them for sure. And, this holiday is is such a party. I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't think I slept for like days. Uh, there will be parades going a lot. And they play very festive music. Uh, the native, well, one of the native peoples of Oaxaca are called the Zapotecs. And they have a very unique style of, of music. Um, it's kind of like Mexican funk, if that makes sense. <laughs> But um, yeah, you'll you'll hear them coming. There'll be giant parades of people playing instruments and just clapping. And usually they're going to the cemetery or leaving the cemetery. Um, so also you're going to see decorated some people in front of their ofrendas, their altars. They will decorate um, what is what are called sand tapestries. Tapetes de arena, sand tapestries, and they're they're sort of a newer symbol, a newer um, artistic expression related to Day of the Dead. And they're well, it's it's what the name says. They're tapestries of sand. They're sand art, and they'll usually have them right in front of their ofrenda. And the point of the sand art, and they actually also use things like flowers and even like rice or dried beans, is because the wind is going to eventually blow the art away. You know, it's it's temporary. It's not permanent. So, of course, that all obviously plays into the symbolism of, of Day of the Dead. But they're very beautiful, and you can often, I mean, they take hours and hours to complete, so... If you're attending a Day of the Dead celebration in Mexico, you'll often see the artists kind of creating them. And um, it's it's really beautiful to, to watch. So those are sort of the main symbols of Day of the Dead and uh, where, where they come from. So now we're going to talk about where the origins of this holiday come from and how you would celebrate this holiday if you attended or when you attend in Mexico. What exactly is Day of the Dead, Dia de Muertos? Well, Day of the Dead holiday, it's actually a, it's more like a two or three day holiday, depending on how you want to look at it. Like I mentioned, um, a lot of the events of the holiday or the milestones of the holiday take place at midnight. So it kind of depends on if you're calling that today or tomorrow. (laughs) Um, So day of the dead. 
uh, Day of the Dead is one of the most important holiday celebrations in the entire country of Mexico. It is celebrated in different ways in different parts of the country, but regardless, it's generally a, a big party. Um, the holiday's origins date back to the Aztecs and their celebration of um, their goddess or their queen of the underworld. And much like the current incarnation of Day of the Dead, the Aztec festival was also a very, very celebratory affair. So after the Mexican colonization by the Spanish, who brought with them Christianity and Catholicism, uh, the festival was actually moved from early summer to fall. And the new dates now coincided with what Christians and Catholics called All Hallowtide, which is another multi-day holiday that they brought with them from European traditions. And it also commemorated our deceased loved ones. So All Hallowtide took place on October 31st, November 1st, and November 2nd. The first day of October 31st was known as All Saints Eve, November 1st, All Saints Day, and November 2nd, All Souls Day. So though it is called, quote unquote, Day of the Dead, this holiday does take place over two or three days, depending on how you look at it. Um, but they're the same days each year, October 31st, November 1st, and November 2nd. So essentially what the Spanish did was took a pre-existing celebration uh, from the Aztecs where they celebrated, you know, the deceased and moved it forward to coincide with a holiday that they commonly celebrated uh, in Europe and in Spain. So, you know, essentially they just said, well, this is your new holiday, but we're celebrating the same thing. But now you celebrate it at this time. So that's really uh, how Day of the Dead came about in, in Mexico to its current day iteration. Um, so October 31st. During the present day Day of the Dead, many Mexican families observe October 31st, All Saints Eve, by building their elaborate ofrendas, their altars. Uh, so like I mentioned, the departed will return earthside it's essentially November 1st at midnight, but, you know, I guess <laughs> if you're still up, it's technically October 31st still for you. You know, it's a, it's a little bit of a gray area. It's not a gray area at all, but it's like, you know, when you're like out that night and you don't know if you're, you should call it today or tomorrow. So, yes, October 31st is when the grave decorations will will be happening. And then, you know, people will still stay at the grave site. Uh through midnight or even beyond midnight, because that's when the, the departed will be crossing back over. So what, what can you expect if you're in a, a Mexican cemetery on October 31st during Day of the Dead? You know, people are going to be decorating. They're going to be partying. They're going to be hanging out. Uh, the whole family gets together in some instances. Uh, Mexican families tend to be a lot larger than American families. So you know, it's very festive. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of marigold flowers and copal incense burning and candles and, you know, food and drinking and talking and bands are playing music. And it's a festive time with a lot, a lot of people 
in a small uh, cemetery. <laughs> so November 1st, formerly known as All Saints Day, is now what is called Dia de los Inocentes, Day of the Innocents. Uh, some also refer to it as Dia de los Angelitos or Day of the Little Angels because this day of the Day of the Dead holiday honors the, the children who have passed on and the spirits of the Inocentes, the little children, return the night before at midnight. So <laughs> this is another one of those do we call it November third, November first, or or what? So yes, at midnight, November first, the spirits of the little children will uh, will return, and you can expect a little bit more of this. Um, not really decorating of the cemeteries, but people will will be like congregating in the cemeteries. There's going to be a lot more comparsas or parades in the streets, um, other festivities. You know the cemeteries will be decorated throughout the whole throughout the whole couple days of the holidays. So people are always going to be in and out. Um, and the comparsa, like I mentioned, the parades are either like usually going to the cemetery or leaving the cemetery. So the cemeteries are are very like central sort of meeting places. So November second, formerly known as All Souls Day, is the actual day, quote unquote day of Day of the Dead. Uh, and we celebrate on November 2nd. So on this day um, is when the adults, the, the adults who have departed, uh, will return Earthside to walk with us for the day. And the spirits, again, of the adults return at midnight. So what to expect? More celebrations in cemeteries, uh, more parades, more families hanging out, more decorated ofrendas, uh, a lot of parties in the streets, a lot of parties in the cemetery, uh, just a super festive time. So although it is called Day of the Dead, it does take place over more than a day. And when I attended in Oaxaca City, it it's more like a week. <laughs> it's kind of a week-long celebration. The whole city is just like, you know, engulfed in Day of the Dead. And it's it was super cool to just see like giant trucks driving you know through town and just completely full of marigold flowers and these flowers also come in like a like a wine color like a maroon kind of color so you know everything's sort of like gold and like this like wine wine color burgundy color it, it's it's just such like a beautiful a beautiful time uh to be in the city so that is how uh, you can expect to experience this the celebration just by being in the city. Now, if you're attending in Oaxaca, um, I recommend uh, looking into what are called Airbnb experiences. And if you head to the blog, you're gonna see, I made a list of all the best ones that occur in Oaxaca during Day of the Dead and Airbnb Airbnb experiences, if you've never heard of them, are like super cool. They're actually like offered through Airbnb and they're hosted by locals. Uh, they're usually like tours or experiences like cooking classes or uh, let's say a Day of the Dead related one might be, you know, uh, create your own sugar skull kind of class. And uh, yeah, they're hosted by locals who are sort of experts in their area. Uh, Airbnb vets them much like they do with their hosts. So 
they also like the uh, hosts work off of a rating system. So for me, I think those people are extra motivated to do a good job on your your tour or experience. I mean, that's maybe that's just my thought. But when you're rated at the end, you you have a little more like skin in the game than like some other tour company who's like, yeah, you know, we can slack off a little bit here. Nobody's going to know. Um, yeah, and you're directly supporting a local. I mean, obviously, Airbnb takes their cut. That's the nature of, of the business world. But you're directly supporting a local. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a big fan of Airbnb experiences. And there are some really great ones in Oaxaca City during Day of the Dead that I've made a, a whole list for that are in my blog. But uh, it can be a little intimidating to attend uh, for your first time, there's a lot going on. Like I mentioned, it's pretty much a 24 seven party. And if your Spanish isn't that great, or if you're just like overwhelmed by the whole experience, uh, these are really great ways to be able to like have a local as your guide sort of to take you around, to show you the main cemeteries, to show you there's some really amazing towns just outside of Oaxaca city um, that they would take you to and experience a little bit of the celebration in the smaller towns um, yeah, I really, uh, I do recommend those a lot. So let's take a little break and then we're going to talk about Oaxaca. Oaxaca city. So Oaxaca city is in Oaxaca state and it gets a little confusing because you'll pretty much just hear people say Oaxaca and they mean Oaxaca city, not necessarily the state. But um, yeah, you have to sometimes clarify what people what you're talking about because the official name of Oaxaca City is Oaxaca de Juarez. But I've honestly never heard anyone say Oaxaca de Juarez. Um, you'll usually just hear Oaxaca. So yeah, I always you know will throw a, a city in there just to make sure everyone knows I'm talking about Oaxaca City. So I spent um, a month in Oaxaca City. I was there just a couple days before Day of the Dead, and then I stayed. For, for the holiday itself and for the couple, three and a half weeks or so after. So is there a month? Um, it's honestly, it's my favorite state in Mexico. I'm planning uh, a move back there. Uh, COVID kind of stalled that, but that's okay. Oaxaca's not going anywhere. So yeah, uh, easily my favorite, my favorite state in, in Mexico so, and travel there is also going to be pretty easy. There is an international airport, OAX, Oaxaca International, and you would fly uh, into that airport. Now, from coming from the U.S., at this time, uh, what I found online is that there are direct flights out of Dallas-Fort Worth, Houston, L.A., and Chicago. Uh, that could change, of course. We're not in a quote-unquote normal time. So, uh, yeah, you have a couple flight options out of the U.S. And then if not, you can fly into Oaxaca City Airport from pretty much any of the major airports in Mexico, like Tijuana, Mexico City, Guadalajara, Monterrey. Uh, another option is to take the bus from Mexico City. It's about seven, eight hours by bus. There's overnight bus options, so some people will opt for that. But honestly, it's it's such a 
it's like a 20, it's about a $20 difference in price to take like the 50 minute flight or take the eight hour bus. So again, I will always push people in the flight direction. Mexico's inter-country flight travel is so inexpensive. So is the bus, but I mean, it's a thing of, you know, money or time, I guess. Um, I can see taking the overnight bus if if that's your thing. The Mex the buses in Mexico are very it's like a tour bus, you know, it's a big comfy bus with a recliner seat. Uh it, there's an there's an amount of comfort there. There, you know, there's air conditioning, there's a bathroom on, on the bus, there's outlets at all the seats for your gadgets. You know, whatever. You, you might want to look into that, but I always push people in the direction of flying. So I'm going to assume that you know, you're going to fly in and you're going to, you're going to land in OAX, Oaxaca International. And then from there, you're just going to walk outside to the curb. You're going to either grab a taxi or a colectivo. And a colectivo is a shared shuttle. It's like a 12, 15 passenger, you know, like a Dodge Sprinter style van. And uh, the downtown of Oaxaca City is only 20, 25 minutes from the airport. So you're right there. Sadly, there is no Uber in Oaxaca at this time. There's probably no Uber in like half the states of Mexico. The the taxi monopoly is just uh it's just it's a it's big. <laughs> the taxis have a lot of influence. So they have not allowed Uber into to certain states. So Oaxaca is, is one of them. That could change at any time. But as of right now, we are in September. 2020. There is no Uber in Oaxaca, but not a big deal because there's taxis and, you know, they're abundant, especially at the airport. So a taxi is going to run you about 10 to 15 US to get into downtown. And the Collectivo is like about two to four dollars. You know, all that depends on the exchange rate and what company you take. But those are pretty fair ways to work into your budget, how much you're going to uh, pay for transportation from the airport to the city. I would not recommend renting a car. Um, again, the airport to the city is not super far. Most people just kind of opt to get a Airbnb or a hotel or a hostel in downtown and then just kind of stay in downtown. And as you probably know, you know, Oaxaca's city downtown is similar to many downtowns like parking can sometimes be an issue some places charge you to park um things like that you know downtowns are notorious for one-way streets everywhere so honestly for me i would not rent a car in oaxaca but you know if you're gonna do that just make sure wherever you're staying you know provides parking hopefully it's free uh, or they can direct you to what to do with a car. So Oaxaca City, is it safe for travel? Um, I actually went as a solo traveler and I felt super safe. Um, it's generally known as one of the safest states in Mexico and the capital city, Oaxaca City, it almost really feels like a small town more so than a city, although yes, city is in the name. And it is a city, but Oaxaca just in general is like a very like natural, I, I call Oaxaca farm to table. There are a lot of farms, but I think everything's just like natural. It's a little bit of a slower pace of life. I mean, there are modern conveniences and things like that, but you know, it's, 
it's it's not a big city. It's a, it's more of like maybe a medium sized city. There's not super tall skyscrapers and all of that stuff. It's it's like a laid back. It's a laid back kind of a place. I mean, during Day of the Dead, it's obviously a huge party, but it's still a small town huge party if that, you know, really makes any sense. So, yeah, you know, you honestly if you take the same safety precautions that you would take pretty much anywhere else you would travel, you should be completely completely fine in Oaxaca and really in all of Mexico. And if you want to um, hear a podcast on just general Mexico safety, I actually recorded my own and then I had a guest on who's another Mexico blogger and they're episodes three and four. And we just really get into like a deep dive of like how to stay safe in Mexico. But some of the, just like the general safety tips, um, I always recommend to use a crossbody bag instead of a shoulder bag. Uh, this just makes you a lot less of a target for sort of like a petty theft, snatch and grab of your purse. Because if someone has a shoulder bag versus like someone who has a crossbody bag, you're, it's it's physically harder to get a bag, off, the crossbody bag off of someone. So you just make yourself a lot less of a target, a, certainly a lot less of an easy target. Uh, do not put your phone in your back pocket. Yes, it is very convenient, but no, it is not the place for your phone. Take the extra two seconds and put the phone in your bag. Think of those like extra two seconds as like two seconds you're not going to spend waiting in a line to buy a new phone if your phone gets stolen. Um, you know, always take your purse or your book bag into the bathroom with you rather than asking like a cafe or a bar or neighbor to watch it for you. Yes, that is annoying, but, you know, it, it works to not get your stuff stolen. Um, you know, if you're in a giant crowd and the vibe does not feel right to you, if something feels sketchy, don't pull your phone out in a giant crowd. Um, remember, your intuition is always, always, always right. Um, and also if the vibe feels really sketchy where you are, you know, duck into a cafe or just go and, you know, sit down, sit on a park bench, um, duck into a store, anything you can like walk into, you know, if you go into a cafe, you know, maybe consider buying a tea and a cookie and, you know, just sitting there for like 15 minutes till you can get yourself together, use their bathroom, fill up your water bottle do all the things you can do inside of a cafe, but just, you know, wait till your emotions calm down and then continue on with your, your, uh, your journey. Uh, keep some cash in your pocket, or if you don't have a pocket, like a side pocket of your purse. So you don't have to pull out your entire wallet every time you need to make any transaction. Like if you're just buying a taco on the street, you know, keep some cash somewhere where you don't have to pull out the entire wallet to make those small transactions um, you know, don't wear flashy clothes or jewelry. Uh, Mexicans in general are relatively modest dressers, but in Oaxaca, you know, like I mentioned, it kind of feels small towny. It's even like a notch more modest in my opinion. So that's a little bit of what you can expect from Oaxaca. Um, I mentioned staying in the downtown area. Uh, I really just can't recommend doing that enough uh, for ease of walkability. Uh, so you can stay in the Centro neighborhood, which is downtown. 
the historic downtown of Oaxaca City is actually a UNESCO World Heritage Site, the whole downtown. So it's just like a really great place to explore. And you would never just even just get tired of walking around it. So yeah, if you're staying in it, even more convenient for you. And like I mentioned, there's no Uber in Oaxaca, at least not now. So yes, you can definitely catch a cab. But if you're going during Day of the Dead, just remember, you know, there's everyone is there. So yes, you can catch a cab. And yes, it's going to be more difficult. So yeah, Centro, staying in Centro is definitely going to give you a little bit of a leg up for convenience and and walkability. Uh, Just outside of Centro is where I like to stay. It's called Halat Laco, J-A-L-A-T-L-A-C-O. And all of these you're going to find if you head to my my blog, which is linked in the show notes, you're going to find all of the information about all of these neighborhoods and the spellings because <laughs> they're a little funky. So Halat Laco is just outside of Centro. And it's really more of like the cool artsy de- neighborhood. Like the buildings are really, really super colorful. There's like really great little cafes, a lot of street art. It's just kind of like the funky sort of artsy neighborhood and it's right outside of downtown um so yeah it's the perfect balance for me because it's a little out of the tourist radar it's not right in downtown but i was only like six blocks so it was a nice little walk as well uh yeah oaxaca's climate is deserty so you're pretty much gonna have like hotter days cooler nights but you know it's it's really great for walking you can you know it's sunshiny most of the time. And uh, yeah, like my little walk from Halatlaco to Centro was always like a really nice way to start my day. Uh, yeah, like I mentioned, Centro is obviously the most convenient. Uh, pretty much all the Day of the Dead celebration stuff is going to be in Centro, as well as all the historic like churches and Oaxaca's botanical gardens and all the stuff within the city that you are going to find if you start Googling things to do in Oaxaca, they're all going to be pretty much in Centro. The last neighborhood uh, is called Xochimilco. It's X-O-C-H-I-M-I-L-C-O. It is actually Oaxaca City's oldest and most historic neighborhood. It's located uh, just north of Centro, downtown. It's about a 15-minute walk. Um, it still offers that really old-school, like, colonial city look and feel. Uh, but you'll be a little bit further from the noisy celebrations of Day of the Dead, which are quite noisy. And, But, you know, you're, you're still going to get, like, the really cool aesthetics. Um, you're going to be in the oldest neighborhood in the city. There's, like, a huge aqueduct that runs down, like, one of the main streets of, of the city, um which is just super cool it's i don't even know like i want to say it's like a 16th century aqueduct anyway it's a really it's a cool area um you know you're a little bit again even further from the tourist area uh so you get a little more like feel of how locals live um you know the food is less expensive in those areas and you know you're a little bit further out 15 minutes walking but again if you like if you're into walking, you're gonna you you might uh, save some money by staying in Xochimilco. So those are pretty much the three areas I would recommend staying in um, in Oaxaca. And last thing we're gonna talk about on the podcast is why you should actually start planning now. 
So when I say you should start planning now, I don't necessarily mean this second, but um, it's not the worst idea. So I was in Mexico City and at a sushi bar and I randomly met, started chatting with the lady next to me. And she was this artist from New York who like lived in Mexico City in the summers. And uh, I, I mentioned, you know, I want to go to Day of the Dead. And she's like, oh, my God, you should plan right now. Because it was like five months out. And I was like, are you joking? And she was like, no, I'm not joking at all. You should actually plan right now. And I was like, okay. You know, and I thought it was very weird. And I went online and I looked and there was like four Airbnbs that popped up for, for Day of the Dead. And this was five months out. <laughs> so, yeah, I started kind of panicking a little. And then I I – I just kept checking Airbnb and like things would pop up, you know, that's kind of random. It's sort of things are showing dependent on when you're searching for them. So I started kind of stalking Airbnb a little bit and I finally actually found a place that I, that I liked and, and grabbed it. But yeah, I couldn't believe that everything was taken already that early. And if I had not met this random lady <laughs> at a sushi bar um, who had been to Day of the, of the Dead in Oaxaca several times, you know, and her giving me this warning of, of like booking now, I wouldn't have known because it seems very counterintuitive to plan things that far in advance. But Oaxaca City, as I mentioned, is a small town. Like, honestly, the downtown of Oaxaca, think like 40 square blocks. It's not big. And that includes everything from like historic sites, you know, to lodging. So there's a lot kind of crammed in to a smaller area, uh, which means not a lot of hotels. You know, you're sharing real estate again with like historic monuments that like aren't going anywhere, obviously. People who live there full time and, you know, hotels, and Airbnbs and hostels like sprinkled in. So there's just simply not a lot of lodging to go around. And if you have very specific needs uh, for your lodging, like say if you need um, two bathrooms or for whatever reason, or you need a full kitchen for whatever reason, if you're like gluten-free and you need to be cooking your own meals, uh, if you can only, if you can't do stairs, if you only want like a first floor accommodations, things like that. If you have specific needs, honestly, I would say to book something ASAP. Um, full disclosure, I'm like an avid Airbnb traveler. I've been to half the states in Mexico now, and I've only stayed in Airbnbs. Um I think the common knowledge or thought on this is that hostels are so much cheaper, but I honestly, I'm not, I would not do a dorm room in a hostel. I, I'm not, I wouldn't be opposed to a private room in a hostel. I think uh, I'm not at the age anymore where I'm trying to do like a 20 dorm room share thing. So when I started pricing, it turned out that like finding a smaller medium size Airbnb is actually cheaper than a private room in a hostel. So I've been doing Airbnbs 
Um, if you head to my blog, I have a whole list of about 20 or so of Oaxaca City's best Airbnbs. I made sure to pick only from the good neighborhoods. And I picked only Airbnb's super hosts, which is like a designation that they give to hosts when they receive like a certain level of ratings and feed positive feedback from people who have stayed there. So these are like vetted hosts that understand hospitality. And these are only Airbnbs in great neighborhoods. Um, you know, because when you're going to a new city and you just like put in Oaxaca City, Airbnb is going to give you like 30 miles out. And it's really technically is Oaxaca City, but it's also technically not at all where you want to stay. So um, I went ahead and like made a list. Um, if you head to my blog, which is linked in the show notes, you're going to see just like a um, about, I don't know, 25 or so Airbnbs that I picked that uh, would be great, including the adorable little rooftop apartment that I stayed in. But again, you know, I don't mind stairs. It's fine. But it was a three floor walk up. And, you know, being in a downtown area, there's going to be a lot of those kind of walk ups, a lot of the older Mexican buildings in the older cities, such as Oaxaca city, they don't have elevators. They're not going to have elevators. So again, if you, uh, if you have specific needs, especially if that need is not having to climb the stairs, the earlier you can book to guarantee something like that, uh, the better. So beyond, uh, Airbnbs, I met people who were also at day of the dead who were just kind of like, they got there and then they were sort of like, where do I go? What do I do? I mean, a lot of Mexican stuff does not exist online, if that makes sense. Like a lot of companies don't have websites. There's not like dayofthedead.com that's going to give you an itinerary of what's going on in Oaxaca City. It's sort of like you just kind of walk around and stumble into stuff. Um, And if that's really not how you roll. If that's like, doesn't appeal to you. Uh, if you're a little bit more of a planner or a little bit more of an itinerary builder, um, I also recommend booking what are called Airbnb experiences. If you've never heard of these, they are amazing. I've done so many of them. And so much like Airbnb, you go online, you put in your city, where you're traveling, you put in your dates that you're traveling there, and you're going to get a list of what are called experiences. And they can be tours, uh, or they can be stuff like a cooking class, um, or let's use a Day of the Dead example, like a sugar skull making class, something like that. And also during Day of the Dead in Oaxaca City, there's a whole lot of what to do during Day of the Dead experiences. So these are led by locals. Um, They are quote unquote experts in their area. So you might find like a day of the dead photography tour or something like that, or day of the dead with an anthropologist tour. And they'll take you around the city and they'll take you to the cemeteries and they'll take you to celebrations and they'll explain to you what, what's going on. So yeah, these are great. They're led by experts in their area, you know, also vetted much like Airbnb hosts, Uh, You can book them and pay for them online in advance. So what I found was that a lot of people I met in Oaxaca City during Day of the Dead, they couldn't book tours. Everything was sold out. um, And it just, 
again, like I mentioned, everyone wants to come to this and it's a small town, you know? So when they're doing tours, they're only doing like 12 person tours because they're, they're fitting everyone into like a small van to take you to, to where, where the tour is going. So they sell out. And if you're not there, you know, a week in advance of day of the dead, you're not going to be able to book in person. So like I mentioned, a lot of Mexican companies don't exist online. This is a, this country is really like a book it when you get there kind of place. And that's fine, but it doesn't work for day of the dead. So I really recommend Airbnb experiences. Um, you can book all kinds of day of the dead tours as well as, um, I made a list of these two on the blog. So I have also tours to some of the more well-known places in Oaxaca that like, if you're staying a little before or uh, a little after day of the dead, you might want to go to some of these two, like, um, Mitla or Monte Alban. Those are the two very famous archaeological sites in Oaxaca or Yerve el Agua, which means the boiling water. And it's like these mineral pools on the side of a mountain that they're just absolutely magical up there. So yeah, I have um, a whole list of Airbnb experiences in Oaxaca City with a large focus on Day of the Dead experiences and then a couple extra thrown in. So if you've never used Airbnb at all, uh, I have a discount code for up to $65 off of your first booking at this blog. So yeah, head to the blog, check out the, the accommodations that I've sort of made sure were, were good um, and in good areas. And then the experiences. So, you know, you're going to have street walk, uh, street art walking tours, Day of the Dead ceremony tours, um, all Day of the Dead altar making, you know, cemetery night walks and, and stuff like that. So and they, those are with locals. So they know what's going on. And, you know, they can just help give you a, a little bit more of an authentic experience. So that is... Uh, why you should start planning now because Waka is a small town accommodations sell out well in advance of day of the dead uh tours also sell out way in advance of day of the dead and if this is a if this is one of your bucket list things which it is for so many people you know don't don't not plan this year because then you have to wait another year <laughs> I mean, of course, you know, you can get lucky. There's last minute stuff that happens all the time. But again, like I mentioned, if, if you're someone who I want, you know, you want to take tours, um, you know, you don't just want to walk around sort of aimlessly, which is fun as well. But if you want like, you know, guided tours or, or someone really explaining to you what's what you're seeing, what's going on, or if you have special needs for your for your lodging, you know, it really is the time to uh to book. And yes, it is well in advance, but you know, like I mentioned, if this is from your bucket list, there's no time like the present because you know, then it's going to come down to waiting another year. So that is this episode on Dia de Muertos, Day of the Dead in magical, wonderful Oaxaca City, Mexico. So please uh, head to the blog that is linked in the show notes. It's the blog that I base this podcast off of. And it's going to have a lot more pictures, of, of course. 
and it's going to, you know, so you're going to see these things visually and they're going to make a lot more sense than me just trying to describe them. But the celebration is very visual <laughs> and, uh, you know, the pictures are definitely going to inspire you to want to attend even more than you probably already do. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and until next time, nos vemos chicas. That means see you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the Dream to Destination podcast. I hope you continue tuning in as I release new episodes each Monday. If you prefer to be notified when they come out, just head to your podcast provider of choice and hit that subscribe button. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please also consider leaving a written review and a star rating. These two things help push us up in the algorithm so that other travelers can find us. Speaking of other travelers, if you know anyone who would love this podcast, please also share it with them. And then let's all be friends over on the socials. I'm on Insta, Facebook, and Pinterest at Travel Mexico Solo and on Twitter at Travel Mex Solo. Thanks again for tuning in, and I really hope this will not be our last conversation.